Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Hello and welcome back to the Virginia Beach Potter's House sermon podcast on testimony tuesday it is time once again for us to hear a testimony from a fellowship pastor and um you know it's uh it can be a challenge for me to uh to get guests onto the program and so uh i do want to take a moment right here at the beginning and and just say uh if you know somebody or if you are somebody that would like to be on the podcast please let me know please reach out and uh i would be happy to book a time and so as I'm always looking for pastors to interview, I uh, was just in the Norfolk Harvester's homecoming service on Saturday morning, and uh, who appears behind the pulpit but one Mr. Kevin Ashley, who has agreed to join us today. And so welcome, Pastor Kevin. How are you tonight? Hey, excellent. Great. Glad to uh, be here with you this, this day. <laughs> I think that you might have uh, just learned about the podcast in the last few days, and uh, we we appreciate you making the time. Yeah, absolutely. I downloaded the app and I uh, got in there. I'm a premium. I think I'm a premium uh, a member now and uh, listened to a few of them. So this is pretty cool. Pretty neat. Nice. Nice. Well, welcome to the family. And uh, we'll, we'll put it out there to uh, to those who are not on the uh, premium train. Uh, we uh, we do offer the premium version. You're only going to hear half of this testimony if you are not a premium subscriber. Um, if you want to upgrade, it's only three bucks a month if you're on Supercast, or it's five bucks a month if you want to do that through the Apple Podcast app. And uh, the reason we do that, we are not putting any money aside for ourselves. We are putting everything into a world evangelism uh, offering on Thursday night of Chandler Bible Conference coming up quick. And man, with uh, I think we're we're closing in on about fifty premium subscribers. So with your subscription. Pastor Kevin, I, we're getting closer and closer to 50 subscribers. Hey. That's amazing. Um, we're <laughs> going to we're going to drop in a, a two thousand plus dollar check pretty soon here. So very very excited about that. It's all because of you guys, and we thank you for listening. But we don't want to uh, delay anymore. Uh, Pastor Kevin, please uh, let the people know who you are and where you're from and where you're pastoring. Yeah, excellent, wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, my name is Kevin Ashley, and uh, along with my wife Carrie. And we have uh, two wonderful children. Uh, my son just turned 13 years old. His name is Kevin as well, but we call him Scott. You'll hear, you'll hear, hear us call him by his middle name. And then my daughter just recently turned 11. She's Kayla. Her name is Kayla. And we're pioneering in the city of Laurel, Maryland. If you're familiar, this is right in between Baltimore and Washington, D.C., a little bit closer to Baltimore. We're right outside the uh, Fort Meade military base, so it's a big uh, Cybercom, uh, Joint Base. So you have people from every branch of the military services there and the NSA. So, uh, yeah, very, very great location to be. 
Yeah, and uh, you were planted there out of the Woodbridge Church, Pastor Rocky Colonna, correct? Yes, yes. So we were uh, the third church that they have launched out. They've since sent two more. So Woodbridge now has a total of five churches out. And we were announced in a, in a peculiar time. It was the height of COVID. Uh, we weren't even able to have a conference. We were supposed to be announced out of the March Jacksonville conference, but because of COVID, we weren't able to have the conference. But a window opened up in June, and Pastor Suspansky was able to have a Harvester's Homecoming, and he talked with Pastor Mitchell about launching out of the Harvester's Homecoming. He gave the approval. So out of that Harvester's, they sent out two churches. One was us uh, from Woodbridge to Laurel, Maryland, and the other one was a church out of Chicago uh, in, in that same area of Chicago. And, and they weren't able to attend in person. So they were like uh, uh, remote uh, videoed in uh, for that, for that launch. So it was wonderful. And we, yeah, we've Praise been here God. for and two so how, years how, now. For two years already. Wow. So that's, uh, yeah, yeah, time yeah, I guess flies. since COVID it's been, uh, been a crazy time. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we were announced in June. We're on our way home. We, we kind of knew before, Hey, this may happen. Uh, so we got our house ready uh, to go on the market, and sure enough, we made the announcement was made Sunday, a Sunday night at Harvesters, and we called our realtor first thing in the morning, hey, put it on the market, launch it, and we're driving home. It's about a five-and-a-half-hour <laughs> drive home. As we're making our way home, uh, since it's COVID, you know, you have to schedule appointments. People can't just stop by and and see, so they had to schedule times, and we kept getting pings for time. So, oh, well, we can't go home. We're going to have to go someplace and hang out and kill some time because people are showing up to take a look at the house. And and the next thing you know, there were so many visitors, we realized we couldn't even stay at our house. So we had to spend the night at somebody else's house that day. So two days of showing, uh, got a got a couple of hits, and the, the house was sold very, very quickly. So we, we left uh, our city in August. And uh, we got to Maryland. We were waiting for our house to be finished in Mar- in Laurel, Maryland. So we rented an apartment for four months in Odenton, Maryland. And uh, we really just got started right there. So we, we started having Bible studies and church services right there in our apartment. As uh, soon as we got to our city, uh, there was another single lady that was in our fellowship. She was saved in the Norfolk Church. And she got orders to Fort Meade right about the same time. It worked out. We were there for probably two weeks, and she shows up. And so we begin having church services with her in our apartment. And then shortly after that, there was another lady who was from the fellowship. She was from Washington State, and she's in the Air Force, a single lady. And so she linked up with us, and we began having church. And the church started with these two single military ladies in our apartment. And while we're having service in there, just my family of four and these two ladies, and we're praising God. And and lo and behold, and uh, walking by our doors, next door neighbors, they're videotaping our doors saying, it sounds like they're having church in there. And they inquired. We were in a parking lot hmm. a few days later, and the guy said, I think I heard you having church in your in your apartment. I said, yeah, wonderful, come. So so this couple, they were a young Air Force couple, and they came, and and it was that's how the, the church, the beginnings. We got into a building very quickly, and we began having service with these handful of people. So it was, it was wonderful, a wonderful start. Praise God. That's amazing, man. That's a, very encouraging to hear. So just a, just a couple of years in, and it sounds like things are going really well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're grateful. We're 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 really excited. So the first year we really had those two single ladies. We had that couple, but then shortly after the couple, they didn't last too long. Make it, but we married them. They were um young single couple. I mean, young. They were not married, and shortly after, you know, being in the church for a few months, at the end of a church service on a Sunday morning, he gets down on one knee. He proposes to her. Uh, we, uh, shortly, a few months later, we marry them on Christmas Eve. So the very first thing I do is I'm thinking it's going to be a baptism, something, but it's a wedding. <laughs> so, uh, I'm marrying this couple. And then it's a few months later, they hang in a few more months. I, I preached on the Holy Spirit and I think they got a little weirded out. They were a little, you know, not sure if we believe, uh, Holy Spirit. So when they decided to leave, we were thankful that, Hey, it's not a, a Pastor Kevin and Carrie Ashley issue. It's a it's a God issue, but we love this couple and we still had opportunity to fellowship with them a couple of times over the past year and, and we're hoping that, you know, we could rekindle and reconnect and get things right. So yeah, we're always praying for that couple. Amen. You know, you never know what'll happen with those seeds that are planted and God can bring them back. Man, I I've been here Absolutely. in Virginia Beach for Coming on, coming on 12 years, and I'm amazed sometimes at people who come back after, you know, eight <laughs> or nine years. And even from yeah. before, uh, you know, when there was another pastor here, we just had a couple start coming in the last four or five months that yeah. started coming back after a long, long gap. But, yeah, God God can do it. Yeah. So, Pastor Kevin, what we what we love to do on this podcast, we love to hear the origin story, where where you came from, because uh, oftentimes when we get a chance to share our testimony, we um, you know we share the five minute version, the altar call version, the yeah. uh, the uh, by way of distraction during my sermon uh, type of <laughs> type of yeah, testimony, right. and uh, and. Uh, what we love to do is we want to hear kind of the uh, the more complete version. So why don't why don't, uh, why don't we hear about where you grew up and uh, and what it was like for you and your family? Yeah, yeah, great, great. Uh, yeah, I grew up in New York City, and uh, I, was, I, I can was hear born that. in Queens. Yeah, I was born in Queens, so I claimed Queens more, and then uh, eventually, different times in my life, my family we moved to Brooklyn and back to Queens. And then I lived with my father for a little bit of time in Brooklyn. I ended up going to, to high school in Brooklyn. And then uh, after the 10th grade, I didn't see myself really making it. I said, I think I, I don't think I'm going to make it to the next year. I'm going to die. So, and my mother was living upstate New York. She moved up to state New York and uh, I decided to move up there with her. And I, I finished 11th and 12th grade upstate New York and End up joining the Marine Corps from there. So just just to backtrack a okay. little while. So was your your, your family was uh, your, your mom and dad was was not together when you were growing up? Yeah, no, no. So they had me. They were young kids, eighteen years old, hooked up, not married, uh, lived down the street from one another, and they had me. And my father went off into the Marine Corps. Said, "Okay, I got a son on the way. Let me go in the military." And uh, while he did that, my mother didn't wait for him. When she by the time he came home. She moved on in relationships, so they never uh, rekindled and and really had a relationship there. But he stayed in my life my whole life. My father was one of my best friends. Fortunately, he passed away uh, 2001. A uh, young guy, 43 years old, great shape, fit. But uh, they had bouts in their young in their young age with drugs, alcohol. They got caught up in the the late 80s, the early 90s, the crack epidemic and 
in New York City, it was, you know, global around the world, but really heavy in New York City. And, and both of them struggled with it. They had really good city jobs. My father was a New York City bus driver, uh, worked for the city. My mother was uh, worked for the Postal Service or so federal government. And they did well. And, and being in those jobs, they're, they're union protected. So they would go out on drugs, can be found, come back. They, they would always come back to their jobs. Their jobs are always there waiting for them. Stay clean for a year, relapse, and go back to rehab again. Stay clean for nine months, relapse again, three or four times. Both of them finally really got clean, separate from one another, uh, when they found Christ in their life. My mother got saved in a Pentecostal wow. church, upstate New York, and really changed her life. And she had asked me to come move with her, and, and that's what I did. I ended up going up there, and I was in high school just either barely passing or barely failing. I used to get on the train. I had to take the, the train to school every every day. And on Fridays, all my friends on the train would say, let's cut school. Let's go to Coney Island. Now, on my train, I'm getting ready to meet with these guys on the train. I know we're going to get on the train. And I know they're going to say, let's cut school and let's go to Coney Island. And I said, I'm not doing it this day. I'm not doing it. Because it's Friday, test day. Tests are always on Friday. And I end up, the doors open to the train at my school and the doors close. And here we go. We're going to spend our day just running around Coney Island. And uh, uh, so I was either just barely passing my classes or just barely failing. When I moved upstate New York and did the 11th and 12th grade up there, I stayed on the honor roll for two years. Like, who knew? I had no idea. Changed my environment wow. and everything changed. So, yeah, wonderful. That's where I joined. I ended up joining the Marine Corps from upstate New York. So you said you thought that you were not going to survive in New York City. What, what What kind of pressures were you facing there? Yeah, just just altercations, fights. We, fights would happen for no reason. No one, uh, you you get an altercation with one person, someone that's not involved with either side would just pick a side. And and there's one time I ended up just on the wrong side. This guy just decides to take this other guy's side, and and you know he's with the whole gang crew. So I'm carrying a knife to school every day just for self protection and. And I just always wonder, like, am I going to make it? Am I going to see 17? Am I going to make it to see 18? I would go to bed at night wondering if I was ever going to see those ages. And uh, so that contemplated made me, made me decide. My mother was always asking me would I move with her upstate New York. So I finally do. I, I go up there and I You were staying I think with your dad at the time? Changed. Yeah, I was, I was with really living with my great-grandmother. And that's that's oh, wow. a whole nother, yeah, interesting story. Because until I was 15, I had no idea she was my great-grandmother. I thought she was just my grandmother and my father's mother, right? And I thought my grandfather, my father's father, was was my father's brother. But come to find out, he's my father's father, so he's my grandfather. All my life, up until about 13 or 15, I'm calling him Uncle Bobby, and uh, come to find out, he's my grandfather. He was just a young hustle guy himself. He didn't want to be known as a grandpa. He was just uh, running the streets himself. Uh, but, uh, yeah, come to find out, he's my grandfather. And my grandmother is my great-grandmother. And just a whole lot of family mess and family drama. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. But, and all the wow. time, everybody's calling themselves a Christian. I grew up my whole life thinking, believing I'm a Christian. And, uh, and every, you, you ask everyone in my family, everyone is, is a Christian and saved and, uh, but our life nowhere near reflected. So when I really got saved, I had to learn a lot. I had to unlearn things and realize like, Oh snap, no, I'm really not. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. So would you say that you were uh, a shy kid or were you pretty outgoing? Yeah, no, I think more, I'm personally more introverted. I was probably just on the spectrum between shy and unshy, but my comfort zone is introvert. And, but I like extroverts and I begin to study and read books and I like outgoing people and outgoing personalities. So I try to I made myself into a people's person, an outgoing person. Uh, large part of that, I, I got involved in Amway for a number of years, just just before I got saved in, in the church. And that's probably part of my story of how I ended up getting saved. Uh, but I was doing that for a number of years, very little successfully. I was still probably spending more money than the money that I was making back from it. But that's what I was involved with. So it encouraged me to become more outgoing and and then you know a lot of the skills I learned there I, I, I don't knock it because I, I was able to transfer and utilize that in ministry and and serving God I was trying to serve wow. myself and, and build a life for myself and then you know I was able to surrender it and use it for the glory of God so so you mentioned that your family would call themselves Christians and so you you did have some uh, exposure to church and Christianity and uh, what, yeah. what kind of spiritual influences did you have in your life? Yeah, my whole life, yeah, I think my family mostly in my youth grew up Baptist, right? Claimed to be Baptist, uh, but still in the home there was drinking, uh, drugs, card games, fisticuffs to the cops come Friday night, Saturday night. But meanwhile, we're Christian. So when I went off into the military, the Marine Corps, if you say, hey, Kevin, are you a Christian? I say, yeah, absolutely. You believe in Jesus? Absolutely, yeah. But if you watch me two seconds later— uh, curse words are coming out of my mouth. I'm chasing after women. I'm doing everything that is uh, probably ungodly. And I wasn't able to, at that time, distinguish the two. I was deceived. I really thought I was a Christian. But at the same time, I I, I, I think I thought of Christianity as, hey, you read this book in the Bible, there's preaching. And those are all stories about the Bible and good, but not that we are supposed to take this word and actually apply it to our life. It's supposed to become practical for our, the way we live our life. But I, the two was always separate. Like this is Christian stuff in the Bible, but then you just live and try to be a decent person. And that was good enough. Yeah. Uh, pre-salvation. So did you, did you ever have any like truly spiritual experiences? Can you remember like feeling any conviction or having an experience with God? Yeah, I did. Uh, 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 a few times. Uh, before I got saved in our fellowship, I had a moment where I have an uncle who he was, um, you know, not in our fellowship, but he was pioneering. He was started. He started a church in his home. He came up from Charlotte, North Carolina, moved to the Maryland area. I was living in Northern Virginia, and I would go to his house for home Bible studies. And then he started having church in his house. And one day he prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, I stood there to to receive the Holy Spirit. I felt it, and and I, I I didn't speak in tongues, but I felt I felt it like coming, and I I had to I had to contain it. I I bit down on my lip to stop because I don't know what I'm getting ready to say, and it's getting ready to come out. So I did my best to contain. It's really hard for Baptists. And uh, <laughs> that moment, he knew I was filled. Yes, yes. <laughs> so he was. He, I was. I was probably filled that that day. Uh, but that was short lived and I lived my life. Yeah. But that was probably the one true experience that 
I had where I knew God was was okay. real. Uh, so uh, you mentioned that you went into the Marine Corps at 18 years old. Um, well, describe the reasons of yeah. going in and and uh, and your experience there. Yeah, yeah. Well, my my dad, he was like my best friend. He, I looked up to him. He had a lot of flaws in his life, but a lot of things about him was really great, wonderful. So I wanted to be just like him. He was in the, the Marine Corps, and then. He went to work for New York City as a bus driver, and that was my plan. I was going to go in the Marine Corps, then I was going to work for New York City and and be a bus driver. I went to a high school called Transit Technology and uh, because I thought that was the field that I was going to pursue. And uh, so I ended up joining the, 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 the Marine Corps straight out of high school. Uh, I played high school football, but not well enough where anyone was, was offering me full-ride scholarships. Everything was partial. And... My mother, she just got her life clean from drugs. She's in church right now. She gave up that job, so she she's struggling to make ends meet. She didn't have any money to send me to school. So uh, a Marine recruiter showed up to my high school, and the moment he walked in the door, I had forgot for a little while that that's what I wanted to do. And the moment he walked in the door, I, I wish he didn't even spend time saying two words. I was ready to sign right away. <laughs> but I was still underage, so I needed my mother. I needed, I needed him to show up to my house and get my mother to sign. And my mother was very hesitant. She didn't want me to join the Marine Corps, uh, but she reluctantly, she signed, allowed me to go in. And um, when I told her I was getting out, she she was mad. She did not want me to get out the Marine Corps. <laughs> so she didn't want me to go in. But then once I was in, she didn't want me to come out. So, yeah, I joined the Marine Corps and I stayed in for eight years. I loved every moment of it while I was in. Uh, I was meritoriously promoted uh, twice. Uh, made it to E6, Staff Sergeant Marine Corps, in probably six years or so. And it was it was very fast, very aggressive. And uh, I thought I would stick around uh, that gun club, but I ended up getting injured, and I, I, I just couldn't perform physically the way I wanted to and my expectations. So that was a little discouraging and leading me to get out. And then I started seeing a, a, a lady there in the military, and I'm enlisted, and she was an officer. So uh, if we were going to continue in our relationship, then that means we have to get out the military. So that was one of my motivations for, for coming out of the military. But that relationship never worked out, and uh, thank goodness. And So uh, yeah. I'm a little bit curious about your, your mom. And you said she had a, a radical uh, experience um, with with the Holy Spirit, and she got saved in a Pentecostal church. Uh, I'm curious, did, did you like, did you no- notice the change in her life and, yeah. and, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of effect did that have on you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my mother, she, she finally, she, I, she, she would do drugs. Then she would, you know, go to rehab, stay clean for a year, relapse, get clean again, stay clean for a year, relapse. And finally, when she got saved in a Pentecostal church, upstate New York in Albany, um, her life was changed and she didn't want to come back to her old job, her old relationships, the old community, be around old friends. She was moving forward in a different direction with her life. And my younger sister, I have three younger sisters and one of my sisters, they all have sisters. One is by my mother. My father had two other, two other girls. So my mother had my sister move with her and then I moved with her. So, so the three of us were living in this, you know, small apartment, and they would go to church on Sundays. And my mother made it optional for me. She said, hey, if you want to go to church, you can. But she she didn't say you have to. So 
I, I would make a big bowl of cereal and sit down and watch ESPN and turn on Sunday game day and I'm watching football. One Sunday, she says, you're going to church. And I said, okay. Right? She, she made it non She didn't leave it as an option. So I, I had no problem with it. I went to church and I loved it. I loved mm. the, the choir and the song service. And this guy was a little bit older. He was working with me. He was in his young 20s, and here I am, probably 17, 18 years old, 17. And um, and he told me he loved the preaching more than the, the music, the song service. And I looked at him dumbfounded. That's I said, how part. is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> now in my life, it's all about the word. <laughs> yes, yes. But at that time, it was all about the music and the song service and singing and I couldn't fathom how somebody would like the word of God more so than the song service. But I remember that time. And uh, yeah, so I got, uh, see, I, I ended up going to that church, but then I went into the military and I I had no idea, you know, backsliding just over time progressing. I, I'm not in church. And I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. And I would be mindful enough. I had gospel CDs. And I would put them in my car. And on Sunday, I had a rule. On Sunday, I don't listen to Biggie. And I don't listen to Jay-Z and all this other all this other rap song. I listen to gospel music on Sunday. And I thought I was doing something, pleasing God, mm -hmm. by Sundays listening to gospel music. That would last to probably about noon. I would say, <laughs> well, that's good enough. right? I think, I think God is pleased with that. And then I would switch and put on yeah. hip-hop, rap, and all types of filthy uh, uh, music. But I really thought I was doing something by Sunday playing gospel music. Well, you know, that's, that's not an uncommon experience for many people. I think even even Kanye had Christian songs on all of his uh, albums <laughs> at some one point or another, you know? Yeah. But uh, so uh, so yep. when did you really uh when did you get introduced to the gospel for real? Like when when did that process begin? Yeah, that process began in uh 2007. Like I said I was I was doing Amway and I had a friend that was doing it with me and he, Was this after you got out of the military? Yeah, after after the military. Yep. I okay. was I started while I was in and that was one of my motivations of coming out. I'm going to get filthy rich. I'm leaving the military and I'm going to become rich doing this thing. And uh, so uh, I'm, I'm doing this. And I had a guy that was on my team. He's walking through the mall trying to contact people, meet people. He bumps into a guy named Rocky Colonna at the at, in, inside I've heard the of mall. that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy, right? So they chum it up. He, he, this guy, he has a, a Navy ceremonial guard background. Uh, Pastor Colonna Rocky has the same background. So they kind of hit it off for a second. He says, hey, yeah, I want to tell you about this business opportunity. So Pastor being wise, he says, uh, yeah, I got time uh, Wednesday, maybe at 630. <laughs> you can come by and meet me at this location. So to tell him about business, this guy will do any. It's Wednesday, 630. Okay, I'll be there. Tell me where to be. So he shows up to church and says, okay, yeah, we could talk after the church service. So he sits through the church service and he gets saved, radically saved. And so afterwards, you know, Pastor Colonna says, hey, what was that thing you wanted to tell me about? He says, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just, just forget it. Ah. And he's saved at this moment. <laughs> so he comes, eventually finds me. So they're going to do a concert. This is 
August of 2007, probably like the last week of August of 2007. And, and my friend comes to Kevin, 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 me and Carrie, we're not even married yet. We're engaged to get married. Uh, just been courting for a very short period of time. And he wants us to come to this concert scene. So, and he's begging us, Kevin, you got to come and you got to come. And he's trying to tell me a little bit about church. And I believe I'm a Christian. I already got a church. I'm already, I know everything about Christian. I'm good. I'm good. But he says, no, that's okay. Just, just come to I this concert. To the gospel so he, music for yes, six hours yes, on Sunday. Right. I listened to Kirk Franklin's latest album. That's, that's it. What more do you want from me? <laughs> exactly. So he convinces us and we show up to this to this mall they're going to do this outdoor concert in this mall parking lot and we pull up and and it's past the Kelowna there and come after some time i've learned that it's the norfolk church that's there to help them put this concert scene on but they have issues with the uh, either the generator or electricity so it's a concert fail it, it never takes place this outdoor concert it's a fail it doesn't happen only thing that was successful out of it i never even get out of my car but Pastor Colonna comes up to the window. My buddy's in the passenger seat. My my fiance girlfriend, she's in the back seat. And he says, or she maybe she's in the front seat and my friend's in the back seat. And and Pastor Colonna just introduces himself to us. He says, Yeah, well, maybe you guys could come by the church someday. He says, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do that. We'll probably do that. It sounded wonderful to me. I didn't plan to keep my word. I wasn't saying that to essentially lie, but I just had no Regard that hey, I'm going to keep this, that I mean this. This is just casual conversation, something that you say. But then my buddy, here we come. We were approaching Sunday. He says, come on, we got to go to church. We got to go. You said you guys would come. You you would come. I said, okay, let's, okay, we'll do this. So me and my fiance, we, we get dressed for church. We put on our Sunday best, suits and ties and dress up. And my buddy puts on jeans and a t-shirt. Now he knows how to wear a suit. I see him in suits and ties when he, when, when necessary needed. It's not his church. It's cool. You can you can come like this, and you know. And so we we show up to church, and it's in this upper room in Alexandria, Virginia. We go up these stairs, and we go in there, and here's this young guy there preaching. You know, Rocky Colonna, Pastor Colonna. I'm about four years or so older than him, and he's preaching a convicting message. I know right away I need to respond to this altar call. But there's pride in me that I said, no, I got to save face. I can't. I've been I'm a Christian for many years of my life. Right. I've been a Christian. I can't. If I respond to this altar call, then it's going to look like I've never been a Christian and that I'm just now becoming a Christian. So I'm saving face. I'm not going to respond to this altar call because I can't let this guy know that I'm not a Christian because I've been one forever. And he's telling a story of how he just became a Christian less than three years ago. I've been a Christian way longer than this guy. <laughs> uh. So uh, I didn't answer that altar call, but it was a convicting enough message for me to answer that call. But what did happen is uh, in my relationship with my fiance, I was in some Baptist church. I was going infrequently to this Baptist church and I brought her to this church. Say, Hey, come check this church out. It's pretty cool. And after the church service, she was like, eh, she wasn't impressed. And I was really shocked that she wasn't impressed. I, I expected her to be a little bit more impressed. But then we show up to this church, and it's just this young guy up there, just two or three other people in this church service, this tiny little building. 
And I look over at her and she's weeping and she's bawling, crying. Neither one of us responds to that altar call, but oh, she's wow. weak. She's undone. And I know I should respond, but we didn't respond at that time. And uh, But it was just enough that Pastor Kelowna and Sister Ingrid, they were able to befriend us and they built a relationship with us. So quickly, shortly after that, my buddy, he ends up backsliding and disappearing. He he came he came in like a ball of fire and then he left just as just as rapidly. And but at that point, uh Pastor Kelowna and Sister Ingrid, they they built a relationship with us, began friending us, befriending us, and we stuck. And we end up, you know, we were coming Sunday mornings. I would we would come Wednesdays, but my last point, I wasn't coming Sunday nights because of Amway obligations. I had Amway meetings. I would make phone calls on Sunday nights. So I that was the last drawer. And every Sunday there was this young single guy at the time named Joseph Schoonover. You know, he went out the pastor, but he um he would ask me every Sunday, are you coming back tonight? And I would get so irritated. You ask me this every Sunday. <laughs> My answer is no. You know I'm not coming back tonight. But he he harassed me enough until those no's eventually did become yes. So and ended up working out well. Holy so. Ghost harassment. I love it. So yes, you were pretty yes. early on in in the church history. Like uh you said there was yes. just a few other people that for, yes. for that one service. Yes, yeah, so I got saved how, in a how, real how long pioneer had setting. he been there? Yeah, yeah. I think he was yeah. there for a year. Right? He might have been there for a year. And he had some success the, from story he has it. He had about five or six, maybe 10 people that was coming to church and they all left just before we came into the church. They all left. It was just really him and one single guy, one single lady that was left in the church perhaps. And then we came into the church service and then it was, it was on for there, just beginning to grow. And so fortunately by the time I, we went out, which was many years later, Right. But I got a chance to see my pastor pioneer. I got to see when there was no song service, him just strumming a guitar and and the iPhone had just came out. He was doing altar call without an iPhone. Then eventually the iPhone came out, allowed was able to assist him with with the altar call music. Right. I saw him taking the offering, yeah. doing everything himself, the cleanup team and uh, growing the church from a pioneer state. So. That was a benefit. It took a long time before I could go out, but I, it's not because of the pioneer said I just wasn't ready in my life. I had to get my life together. A lot of debt I had to get out of. Uh, but that's that's a blessing to me now. Now, as we're pioneering, I could recall my pastor doing all of those things, going through those. What phases. a gift that is to be able to watch that yeah. whole process from the beginning. And, and think about yeah. this, that when you came in, uh, he had been there less time than you have been pioneering. Like now, right? So yeah, that's, I haven't thought about that. It, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So, it's so exciting to to just realize like the the next person that walks in the door could be the guy that you know eventually you're going to launch out. It's it's so encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, it is very encouraging. Yeah, so, so I yeah, mean we're... for 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 the audience that's that's listening, you know, we, we're. We're a group of pastors and disciples all over the fellowship, and we, I'm sure we have a few uh, listeners from outside the fellowship. Maybe I don't know, but what what's really exciting is is the vision that we have for that. You know, it really is what Pastor Mitchell used to say that it's a it's a layman's movement. It truly is open to anybody that you know has the heart and is willing to go we we're not looking for the ability we're looking for availability and so if you will avail yourself and um 
you you can step into destiny, man. And so that's that's so powerful. So you you're a living yeah. example of that. What what a blessing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, I always felt like God has had a call on my life. Like I was around in environments like I grew up with good people. Like I talked about, you know, some of the bad stuff, but really just good hearted people. But a lot of my family and friends did go, you know, wayward, went down the wrong path. I could have so easily been caught up in that environment. I'm I'm always, I was around drugs a lot, but somehow God never gave, I, I, I never had the appetite for selling drugs and doing drugs. And, uh, but I was always around it. I've sold it just for, for my for my family members, you know, just, hey, Kevin, just take care of this transaction for me, these handful of transactions. Hold down this corner for, for one day. And something could have happened, right? Something could have easily happened. I could have got locked up and thrown in jail. But I was just fortunate that during those times where I had drugs on me, that nothing nothing ill happened. I talked about when I moved upstate, you know, to to live with my mother. And when I moved up there, right away, right down the street, is guys I grew up with in New York City. And I'm end up connecting and hanging out with them in a drug house. They asked me to, you know, take some drugs down the uh, and guns down to New York City. I'm on a Greyhound bus going between upstate New York and New York City. I have this on me. I know that my mother is just getting herself clean from drugs. And here I am transporting. And thank goodness I, you know, I nothing ill happened. I'm bringing drugs into my house, hiding them in a plant, hoping my mother doesn't find them. And I'm terrified for two things. One, if she finds it, what if she uses it? Right. That's my number one fear. And my number two fear, what if she, she if she finds it, she she might kill me. Right. My mother's going to kill me. Uh, but uh, she never knew for many years after I got saved in our fellowship. I think it's really just a few years ago. I told her that testimony. I told her that story. She was like, wow. But uh, mm. I, yeah, yeah I, I mean, a lot that... of my cousins spent time in and out of jail, just getting locked up two, three, four, five times, unfortunate situations. And, and for some reason, I made it through when I probably should have, you know, been locked up just yeah. like them. And, and here, there's a lot of good hearted kids. A lot of kids end up in the system, really good hearted. Meanwhile, I uh, was one of those fortunate ones that actually made it through until God could really get a hold of me and I could really start making good decisions start and stop living risky and putting myself in those risk situations. If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. 
we remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.